You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey friends, I'm here with some exciting news. We all know how life can be difficult. An endless series of little tasks that just pile up on top of each other. You probably find yourself wandering through your day, just wondering how you're gonna get it all done. Thing after thing after thing. Friends, I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. That's right, there's a better way for you to accomplish all those little tasks that you have to do. Get them all done so that you have more time for things that are really important, like pogo stick aerobics. All these tasks can be done simply and easily by you, just by doing it a better way. What's that better way, you ask? I'm glad you asked. You can come find out here at Paradox Church. We're launching a new series on January 3rd called, you guessed it, A Better Way. So join us here in person in the building or join us at ParadoxChurch.com and follow along online at 10 o'clock. Can't wait to see you so we can all learn. Say it with me. That's right. A better way. All right. Good morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Paradox. Good to be with you here in person. Thank you that you are joining us online, if that's what you're doing as well. Uh, say hi. Let us know that you're here. If you're, if you're commenting right now on our website, just throw out a comment out there. Say, uh, interact with each other, you know? Uh, that's one of the beautiful things about watching together or being together is that we get to encourage one another. I know that it's always encouraging to me to be here together with you all. You know, I'm just thankful for that. By the way, did I... I'm thankful for Mike. Uh, did I miss the shoe? I was having like a parenting moment up here. Why were you, why were you holding a shoe, Mike? Was that a thing? Did I, does anybody know the answer? Okay. I, I, <laughs> just playing crazy. I don't know. That could be it. I, maybe to make us all wonder what was going on with, with the shoe. But uh, <laughs> ask him. It's, it's brilliant marketing if it is if it's something. <laughs> it's just playing crazy if it's not. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> We've been talking about this series, Better Way. Man, it was so awesome to hear from uh, our kids director, Holly McDonald, and her husband, Rory, who's on our leadership team, last week as they started talking about like, how sometimes you have to go without things in order to say yes to something else. Sometimes the no is what propels us into the yes. And so we talked about fasting and rest and what it looks like to live simply and sometimes say, hey, we, we want to say no to, to something. Uh, because what we want is something even greater than what we want right now. This week, we're going to kind of continue into that, and we're going to start talking about this other spiritual discipline, right? These ways that we get into God's presence uh, by confessing, actually confessing the things that are on our heart. Um, you know, I, well, before we do, do any of that, would you just pray with me as we begin? Father God, We are here fixed on you. And I just pray for those of us that would come in here heavy today. Weighed down with the burden of the world. The anxiety of tomorrow. 
the pains of the past, God. The news that's, that's happening on a daily basis, God. Life can feel heavy. And we get overwhelmed and exhausted and weighed down, God. And I pray today that you would meet every single one of us in that place. No matter what we carried in here today, God, would you walk alongside of us, meet us, comfort us, God, and lift the heaviness of our souls in your presence and in each other's presence, God. Would you just move, God, as we fix our eyes on you? Spirit, would you come? Would you move? Would you do something mighty? Would you bring power that we don't have, God, to move the boulders in our heart, the things that have been untended to, left, taken root, God? We need your strength. We need your might to move these things, God. So Spirit, would you come and move and do what only you can do here today? We give ourselves to you and we love you and we trust you. We say that you are good, God. Even in the midst of everything going on, you are good. In the midst of our pain and our brokenness, God, you are good. That's why we come to you. Only you can. So we come to you today asking you to. Would you do what only you can do in our hearts? And would you make us willing participants, God, as we live it out, out there in this week. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know, there's reasons why I am not on the, uh, on the screen like Liz working out because that footage is, is rare of me working out. We do have one picture, though, of a time that I was working out. Uh, I, there it is. You can tell that I'm terrified uh, about the prospect. This is one of my best buds, Jeremy. Um, he, however, is he's like a renaissance man. Like, he knows how to do this stuff. And so I was telling him about how, you know, I think it might be good for me to exercise, do something, uh, rather than absolutely nothing. And he was telling me about this kind of training, which sounded good to me because it was short, um, called HIT. Have you ever heard of HIT training? Spelled with two eyes. Super cool that way. Um, I thought it sounded really great because it was shorter. What I found out is that it's, it's called HIT training because it makes you want to hit the person that you are <laughs> training with you. So, Poor Jeremy, like he's, he set out the ropes. You can see the ropes back there. This is a while ago. For those of you that are like, they don't have a mask, right? It's literally, this was like years ago. Um, so, and I think this might have been one of the only times that we did it also. Um, but he's got the ropes out and the, and the jump rope and everything. And the thing between, you can take that off. Nobody wants to see that anymore. <laughs> uh, here's the thing about HIIT training. It's, it's short intervals of activity, of like intense activity, uh, and then you also throw in some, oh, God love them, periods of rest, all right? They're nev- those are never long. Those are very short as, as well. Uh, I remember this one time, Jeremy says, we're going to play a game. And I said, yes, that sounds really, really great. I would love to play a game instead of working out. And he's got this deck of cards. I'm like, oh, good. This is, this is nice, you know? Let's just play some cards. And, uh, and he pulls out the cards, and he's like, all right, you just take any card. I'm like, all right, great. I got a 10. He's like, that's how many push-ups you do. I'm like, no, this is not a game. I hate you right now. But that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Uh, it's, it's these short, brief periods of intense working out, uh, and then you stop for a while. You lay the weights down. You stop doing the things. Here's the thing that HIT training, in my brief experience with it, uh, has taught me. The things that we do consistently are better than the things that we do occasionally. You are stronger, actually, if you do things consistently than even something you do occasionally. 
Those weights, they are not heavy. But in the consistency of doing them, you actually become stronger, able to do more than if you were to pick up a heavier weight just one time. The strength comes in the consistency. And that's exactly what these disciplines that we've been talking about, this better way actually is. If you were to spend time, for example, reading the Bible for five minutes a day. Now, I I will admit, right, I'm going after prayer in this year. I want to be a person of prayer. One of my goals is I, I would love to pray for an hour a day. You're like, wow, that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy for me too. Like that sounds totally unattainable. But I know that I need to start by just going, all right, what does five minutes look like? What does 10 minutes look like for me? How could I do that? But if you're anything like me, I look at the five minutes and I go, no, 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 you're a pastor, bro. You should be able to do a lot more than that. And because I'm unwilling to do five minutes consistently, I never hit the hour. I never go after it. I wonder how, much of us, how many of us are like that. Like, it's the new year! Right? And so we want we man, we go up and it's what's the biggest, toughest weight I can find? We're like, oh yeah. And it's good for like two or three weeks until January 17th rolls around. That's today. Do you know what today is? It is National Ditch Your Resolution Day. No. Yes. It is National Ditch Your Resolution Day because when, you, when we do this, and we do this as people every single year, we go, it's a new year, we're going to accomplish great things, yeah, and we're holding it up, and we're doing it, to, we're holding it together, and we're like, oh man, it's, it's getting heavy, I don't know how long I can go, I've woken up on time every day this week, oh, I've been eating nothing but organic vegetables, and before you know it, it starts getting heavier and heavier and more overwhelming and more exhausting, because the longer you hold on to something, the heavier it becomes. It's actually not quite true. It doesn't get any heavier, but your muscles start to get overwhelmed, exhausted, and it feels heavier and heavier. It feels less and less attainable. And we end up doing what all of us have done at some point or another, dropping it. Just... <sighs> exhausted. Maybe far short of your goal what you wanted to do, what you had envisioned. You wanted to go for that 50 pounds. You couldn't do it. You said today's the day that you were going to do all the reps. And you had to stop too short. We all come to a point where we go, you know what? It's time to ditch our resolution. We fall short. We don't do what we had set out, envisioned, what we had wanted to do. So what do you do when you fall short? Believe it or not, there's actually a discipline for that. There's a better way to approach our falling short, our putting the weight down, than what we often do, which is guilt, shame, failure. I'm not good enough. I don't even know why I tried. Many of us have just given up on the resolution thing altogether. Why bother? I'm, just, I'm not going to do it. January 17th is going to roll around, and I'm going to be done. So we stop living with vision. We stop going for it in our lives because we've put the weight down so many times. We've gotten so exhausted and we just can't even imagine what it would be like to try to pick it back up. Today, through the discipline, the better way of confession, I'm hoping to give us vision for what it looks like to do even confession consistently. Especially if you've grown up in the church, maybe you've heard of this before, or, or, you know, where you go into the, the, the thing with the priest and it's like, forgive me for I have sinned. And, and it's this big deal, right? And you can't imagine doing something like that unless maybe you had committed like a big sin. Then you really need to confess it, right? Remember this. 
what many of us have thought of as something that you only do for a big thing once in a while, maybe once or twice in your life. You're actually stronger when you do this consistently. Consistently going back to God, consistently returning, going, I want to exchange what I'm carrying for something better, something more lightweight. Because that's actually what Jesus has for us. We often think of following Jesus as the weight that we have to carry. It's a burden. People, you talk to some Christians, they're like, I just, the Lord gave me a burden for, the, for this. And you're like, that sounds awful. I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to be burdened with things. And so we, we think of this like, oh, I got I to gotta give. I got to go to church. I got to live by all these rules. And it's these weights that we, that we carry around. But actually, Jesus promises us, and we're going to get there in a minute, that his weight, his burden is free. It's light. That is the better way. He wants us to live freely and lightly. And we do that by regularly, consistently putting down the things that we have picked up along the way so that we can live freely and lightly. These things that weigh us down, things like addiction, things like unforgiveness, things like hidden sin actually hold us back weigh us down, and keep us from the life that God has for us. So what do we do? I wanted to start this morning by reading for, for you uh, something from the book of Psalms. And I love Psalms because uh, these are, they're poetry. It's poetry, and poetry that's often just written from the, the gut-wrenching places, the deep places, the dark places, the sad places, places of pain and frustration and loss, uh, crying out to God in the midst of Heaviness. They can be really, really heavy. And here's what Psalm 32 says. If you want you to sit back, maybe close your eyes, and listen to the words of this psalm. In Psalm 32, it said, Blessed is the one whose transgressions or sins, shortcomings, are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Some of us are saying, Man, I want to be blessed by that. But I know the stuff that's inside of me, things that are heavy, ways that I've fallen short. How can I get back to that place? How can I do that? Well, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Have you ever felt that? Just a heavy conscience, like, like guilt weighing you down and you keep silent. And the longer you keep silent, the heavier it becomes. The longer you hold on, the less you feel like you can. Heavy was your hand upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. There's a reason. If you're feeling that heaviness this morning, there is a reason. It's because Jesus has something better for you. He wants you to live freely and lightly. He wants you to put the weight down. His heaviness is upon you so that you put the weight down and live free and light again. Here's what the psalmist does. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. There's always two ways to deal with sin. Two ways. No more, no less. The first way, you can cover it up. We're really, really good at this. We're naturals at this, in, meaning in our natural self. This is what we will do with our sin, our, our shortcomings, our failures. We try to cover it up. Why? Because if you watch a Christmas story, did you watch a Christmas story recently over the holiday season? Ralphie knows something at a very young age that we all know and hold on to. Grown-ups like to say, right, 
that it's, we know what we did, but kids know better. Kids know that it's always better not to get caught. That's what Ralphie says in the movie. Because we think, you know, no, we would want to cover it up. We don't want to get caught. We don't want to be seen for what we are. We don't want our failures and shortcomings to be visible to everybody. No, in fact, we go to great lengths to cover up any failure, any shortcoming that we have so that nobody can see it. We've actually, um, you know, this, here's my confession right now. We've been binge-watching Breaking Bad at our house. Confessions, yeah, all right? And it's crazy the lengths that the main character is going to to cover up all of the things that he has done in his life. And there are these moments, right, of these moments of honesty where you're like, just tell the truth, man. Just come clean. Oh, gosh, you've got to tell your wife. Come on, man, tell, go to the cops. And every single time, he just doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. And it gets messier and messier and heavier and heavier and bigger and bigger. And in the process, what was meant to bring freedom and life actually takes it all away. That's the way that some of us live. When we cover it up, we end up holding onto it, and it just gets heavier and heavier, and it holds us down. It weighs us down. It keeps us back. Or there's another way. Confession. Confession. We can either conceal it, cover it up, or we can confess it. And I, I mentioned this verse, Matthew 11, before, so I want to go to it. This is in the message translation. It's really not a translation at all. It's more of a paraphrase, but I love the way that it says some things. So if you're, if you're checking out the message, it's, it's really, really great for like a second Bible uh, to read. But in Matthew 11, Jesus says this, are you tired? I'd be willing to bet that it's th- right now, three weeks into a new year, some of us are already tired, worn out, burned out on religion. You know what religion is? It's all the rules that we set up for ourselves to get us closer to God. I'm, I'm guilty as heck about this, especially around this time of year. Oh, you know, all the things I'm going to do for God. I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to get it right this time. And, we, and, and we, we take more and we pick up more. I'm going to do the Bible and I'm going to do the prayer in the church and I'm going to get it all right this time. Are you burnt out from that? Are you tired and worn out? from even religion. This is Jesus, what Jesus is saying to us. He says, well, if that's the spot that you're in, if you feel like you can't hold it any longer, come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You ever have those days where you just crash? You binge watch something, you know? It's your rest day. And you end up feeling like you didn't rest at all. In fact, you just feel worse. Jesus says, get away with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Walking with him is actually restful. Work with me. Watch how I do it. There's an easier way, Jesus is saying, a better way. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Some of us are trying so hard. We're forcing it in life. But Jesus says, listen, I know that you might think that my way is heavy, in a burden, but I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live. Everybody say it with me, freely and lightly. That sounds good. I don't know about you, that sounds good to me. I'd love to live freely. I'd love to live lightly. 
So how do we do that? If you want to live free, then we got to get free. If you want to live free, then you got to get free. If you want to live light, some of us need to consistently, maybe starting today, start putting down the weight. Start putting down some of the things that are weighing us down. I want to invite us to begin regularly practicing this thing called confession. Now, there's actually two places that you can confess things. And it's, even, it's not even just sin, although we're going to talk about that. But there's two places that you can confess. You confess to God. Most of us have heard that before. But you can also and should also confess to each other, to other people. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others for healing. When we, when we go to God and we are forgiven, it is like the weight of guilt and shame that we have been carrying around. We know the truth about what we've done, about who we are, and it weighs us down, and we go to God, and we put it at his feet, and we go, oh, I was so tired of carrying that. I receive your forgiveness, and it makes us light again. But when we go to others, and we say, this is who I am. This is what I'm really like. This is what I really do. It actually brings healing and freedom. That's the free part about that. We confess and we put it down in front of God. We lay at his feet. We go to others and it brings, it makes us free. It makes us light again. Now, I know I said something. Maybe some of you are like, we go to God and we ask for forgiveness. Is that what forgives our sin? No, that's not what forgives us. When we... In a lot of ways, confession is just agreement. It's agreeing with God about who we are, about what we've done, about what's true, about who we are, and about what's true about what he, who he is and what he has done. So when we agree with God, you know what? I'm laying this at your feet. It was wrong. Our culture, our society, believe it or not, that is pretty hard for us to do. How many times in the news cycle do you see people say, you know what, that probably was wrong. Our, our actions, my actions, I, I shouldn't have done that. I just want to own that. You know, there's always some sort of justification for something. Our party, yeah, you know what, we were wrong. Oh, no, 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 it's always the other side was worse. The other side did it, did it before we did. Very few of us just take the weight and go, you know what, it was wrong. Shouldn't have happened. I didn't do it. I agree with you, God, that my actions fell short. That's confessing. It's agreeing with God about the reality of our sin. But there's another part of confession. It's also agreeing with God about the reality of our forgiveness. The action itself does not forgive us. We go to God and we confess, I agree with you, but I also agree with you. Just as I agree that I was in sin, I now agree with you that I am forgiven. Some of us leave confession feeling worse than we even did before because at least before you had all the stuff neatly packed away where nobody could see it, including you, and you don't deal with it. But then we start bringing up all this stuff and it's hard and it's painful and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I bring this out in the first place? I'll tell you why. So that you can agree with God about it and then give it to him. And the Bible says that now in Jesus, our sin is as far as us as the east is from the west, which is pretty far. I had this conversation last night, you know, like, man, on judgment day, are we going to get to the, get to the, the, the pearly gates and, be, and, and, and have our, our sin 
looked at. No, no, no. When you trust Jesus with your sin, when you confess, hey, this is who I am, this is what I've done, and you are forgiven, there now is no more sin to judge. Some, some, some of y'all, though, you've, you've never done that. Like, you, you've never gone to Jesus and said, Man, I've fallen short, and I need you because, Jesus, you never did fall short. You lived a perfect life, and you died in my place. I want that. Some of y'all have never done that. You're going to have some answering to do someday. I don't want to have sin to answer for when I walk in front of God. I want that to be taken care of already in Jesus. That's what confession is all about. I agree with God about my sin, but I also agree with God now about who I am and what Jesus has done and that now I'm, I am forgiven in him. It's about agreement. But sin, like I said, sin's not the only thing that we need to confess. I want to get into a few things in our short time together um, that we also can confess and really should confess, both to God and to other people. Are you ready to go? Let's get into it. All right, here's thing number one, unforgiveness. We can confess unforgiveness to God and to other people. You know what I'm talking about with unforgiveness, right? Uh, the, The person, the thing that's hurt you, that lets you down, that you're still angry about, that comes to mind every single time you think about that person, the reason why you don't want to get together with them, maybe even the reason why you don't want to come to church, unforgiveness in our heart can be a really big deal. It can definitely be this weight that just weighs us down, holds us back, keeps us from living freely and lightly with God. Listen to what the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 has to say about unforgiveness. In Hebrews 12, all right, here it is. Have you no 15. All right, now we're on the same page. Hebrews 12, 15. Sometimes you look at it, right? And you're like, no, what, really? What was I thinking? Hebrews 12, 15, all right? Um, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. I like that. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. What that shows me is that there's all kinds of grace that's available for you. Grace to cover your sin. Grace to cover your past, your mistakes. Grace for the future, but we don't all obtain it. We don't all take it. It's there for us, but in confession, I said, we agree with God about our sin, and then we agree with God about who we are and what he's done. That is how we obtain the grace. We obtain the, the, the freedom by laying the the sin down by laying down our unforgiveness and going, God, I want something better. You've got a better way for me. I want to obtain it in this confession moment. Why is that important? Because a root of bitterness can spring up in our heart. When we have hurt, pain, disappointment, anger that we don't deal with with other people, with God, it's almost like, have you ever seen the dandelions, you know, all these beautiful, beautiful flowers uh, that are all over some people's lawns, not mine. <laughs> They're all over the place, you know? And here's what, here's, here's what happens. There are these little, tiny, light and breezy seeds that just flow through the air, and they don't seem like a big deal, you know? How harmful could that be? In fact, it's a lot of fun to pick it up and just blow those things all over the place. But then they just lightly land 
everywhere, all over the place. And if the soil is right, if left unattended, what do they do? They take root. And once they take root, those things can be hard to get rid of. You got to get the root. You can't just pick the flower. You got to get at what's deeper. And that takes work. You might have to get your hands a little bit dirty. A root of bitterness springs up and it causes trouble, not just for you, for many people. When we're living out of a place of unforgiveness, when, when anger, bitterness, resentment, hurt, pain, when those things take root in our heart, then we start to live out of those places. You can't fake it. You might think that you can fake it, but you can't. We start living out of it. It taints our actions towards people. We start acting in ways that are harmful to other people, giving them reasons to be hurt, disappointed, angry, resentful of us now. And this is, this is how sin actually spreads. Hurt people, hurting people, hurting people. Instead of going after the root and going, no, no, I need to, I want to forgive. I need to forgive that. We fail to obtain it. There's a bitterness that, that happens. And Ephesians 4 says this about unforgiveness. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another. Some of us have to, have to forgive ourselves. Maybe you even feel like you have, you have to forgive God. But more likely, it's forgiving one another. Forgive one another. That's one of the ways that we live freely and lightly because when there's not forgiveness, that root of bitterness takes, takes hold and and hardness of heart. It says, be tender-hearted. Because when we don't forgive, hardness of heart starts to set in. And the hardest walls are built from unforgiveness. It's, it's almost like the, the tender clay that our hearts are supposed to be starts to harden up and harden up, and we can't be molded. We can't be shaped. We can't, we, we can't respond to the ways that, that God the potter wants to shape us and form us because our hearts are hard. And we start building up these walls that are tough to break down in between us and God and us and other people. That's why, or just a few verses earlier in Ephesians 4, it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Like, don't let bitterness take root. Don't let yourself not forgive. Some of you, I know, right? It's not just that easy. Well, some, sometimes we'll even try to do that. Like, it's really easy. Like, all right, well, I forgive you, but like, it's just flippant. Like, we can just do that. Others of us are like, no, no, no it's not that easy. I can't just forgive. I, to both si- I've been on both sides of this, and both sides are, are wrong. It's not that easy. It is a process. It is hard. It is painful, especially the longer you've been holding on to that, the more hardened your heart has become towards God or to, to people. Man, you know what you have to do with a hard, hard heart? You got to take a chisel to that thing. And that can be a painful process. But it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out one either. Forgiveness does start with a choice. It's also a process, but it starts with a choice. And we don't have to do the whole thing. We don't have to have the whole process figured out and accomplished in one fell swoop. Like, remember what I said, consistency. Some of us, the hurt is so big, the pain is so great, that to even pick that up would be like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't pick this up. Okay, what if you just do the five-pounder? Just do the five-pounder today. 
We forgive for that. What if, what if, what if your five-pound weight today is, all right, I want to start that process. I do. I want to say it. I forgive you, and I want to continue to forgive you. Whoever the person is, maybe there's somebody in your mind right now, probably there is. I forgive you today, and I want to forgive you tomorrow, and I'm going to forgive you the next day, and I'm going to keep on picking that weight up and consistently over time. God, would you just work out forgiveness in my heart? Would you tenderize my heart towards them as I forgive and I pray? But we don't get there by doing nothing. That's what I see a whole lot of people do. That's what I've done before too. I can't forgive them right now. So instead of picking up something, instead of doing one rep of forgiveness, we just sit there and go, no, no, no. I'm not strong enough to lift that. You're never going to get strong enough just staring at it. That's what we do too. We don't even forget that it's there. Like we're just like, I could never lift you. This is us in our unforgiveness, you know? I'm sorry to make light of it. (laughs) See what I did there? Uh, (laughs) All right, trying to be funnier, you know? Um, All right, so there's unforgiveness in our heart that we can confess. We should confess to God and to other people the unforgiveness in our heart. It starts with going to God. Especially here, I've, I've preached on this before. We do this backwards process where somebody hurts us or or something and we start going to everyone else and then maybe if we go to everyone else, eventually they'll say, you should go to the person, right? And you have to work all that up and then eventually you're like, oh gosh, I never even went to God, you know, I, I never went inside my own heart about this. You know, that's totally backwards. Forgiveness is, all right, I go to God and I go, God, am I off base here? This person hurt me. Did I misunderstand? Is there, some, is there some sort of wound in me that this is pricking up against? And then if God's like, oh, you know what? I, I took care of you. I'm healing. I'm bringing healing there. Now you can go to that person instead of, with, instead of going with anger, it's like, you hurt me and that's why I hate you kind of thing. You can go and say, hey, listen, I've dealt with this. I understand that you didn't mean to hurt me, but this is what happened and it did. And you can go in a really healthy way. And probably that's going to tenderize their heart towards you and you're going to be able to have healing. This is how forgiveness works, all right? We don't have to go to everybody else and get everybody else angry and upset and whirled all all, all whirly-twirly about it. I don't know if you're feeling whirly-twirly today. Maybe that's for you. But the feelings get involved, and that's the second thing we need to confess. It's not just unforgiveness. We have to confess our feelings. Recently, in counseling, I go regularly, consistently. It's not just a one or two time thing. It's like, oh man, I was messed up. Then I went to counseling. Better. I mean, my counselor is good. He's not that good. All right. I have to keep on going. And recently, one of the things that I found out is that there, it, I have this, and the only way, this is how it makes sense to me, okay? Maybe it's going to make sense to you a different way. I have this like warehouse in my heart. And it's full. For the longest time, it was like there was a security guard that was guarding the warehouse. And the security guard's like, I, I would show up to the warehouse, like this, just take a trip in your imagination with me, all right, uh, into my heart. We would show up at the warehouse, me and Jesus, and we'd be like, hey, can we get in there? Jesus is like, it's my, it's my warehouse, you know, can I get in there? And the guard's like, no way, man, you're going to make a mess back there. And I, I'm, I'm standing there with Jesus, I'm like, awkward, you know, but, but secretly I'm looking at the security guard going like, good job, bro, don't let him back there, that dude's going to make a mess, you know, do not let Jesus back in there. But over time, as we go back in, in there, 
Jesus has been really, really kind with me. And there has been. There's been just boxes upon boxes. And what we found out is that it's a mess in there anyway. And Jesus actually wants to help clean that mess up inside. And so as we're going through all of these boxes in my heart, my mind, like when, when we first got in, and this happens to us, right? There's all of these feelings. It's a mess in there. That's why we don't like to go in there. But my mind goes to the biggest, baddest box first. The person that has hurt me most. The, the, the places of, of all of my baggage, you know. I'm like, oh, all right, here we go. We're going to do with that, deal with that one. And again, I just felt like Jesus in his kindness said, no, we're not. We're not going to go there yet. There's, there's a little box right here. Let's take a look inside. And we did, and, and it, was, it, it hurt. You know, this, this went back. It was so silly. The first box that, that we looked at was, was hurt caused from a misunderstanding from a 16-year-old girl in my heart that was still there. She didn't mean it. It's so small. But you know what? Jesus cared for it because he cares for each one of us. That's exactly what 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says. Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares about you. Other translations just say, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Your anxieties, your cares, they're the things that you care about, the people that you care about. And you know what Jesus' care is? You. We can cast our cares on him because his care is you. He cares for you. You are on his mind. He wants you to share your feelings with him. He says, bring those things to me. That's what, that's what I want to think about. I don't want you to think about it. Come to me. I care for you. But so many times, it's, we, we think like, no, nah, I'm not going to talk with God about that. He's got bigger, badder things going on in the world, right? How can I talk to him about my feelings when there's starvation happening? Or we, we project that onto other people. I know if I, if I were to ask, let's raise our hand, probably at some point, every single person, when you're going through a hard time, when you're having feelings inside of your heart that are messy, you go, I don't want to burden them with that. You've probably said that before. No, 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 I, just, I, didn't, I don't want to burden you with that. You know? And we wear this as this badge of honor, like I got through on my own. I didn't need anybody. You know, or, or maybe even worse, like they don't, they don't care. They don't care about that. God doesn't care about that. Listen to what Galatians says, though. We are supposed to bear one another's burdens. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a command. We are supposed to do that. This is the beauty of the church. I don't understand. I meet people all the time. They're like, yeah, I love Jesus. I don't like the church. I'm like, why would you want to follow Jesus alone? You can't follow Jesus alone. Who is it? Whose burdens are you bearing? Or, or, are, are you bearing? Who's walking with you? I love it. Every, every single service before we do this thing, I've got some brothers that come, put their hand around, their, their arms around me, and they, it's, it's almost like, all right, I, it's not that the burden's all on my shoulders alone. I've got people with their arms around me going, we got this together. I'm in this with you because I want to be, because I care. And when we can start to receive that other people in the church love us, care for us, want to walk with us, we can start to see that, you know what, that's how God does too. He cares for us and he sends people to walk with us. But there's all these areas of brokenness inside of us and we don't share it. And, and that's, 
we, we end up feeling so exhausted, so burnt out because we're trying to carry it all ourselves. You weren't meant to. People don't know about your burdens unless you share them. You're going to have to get real. You're going to have to get raw and vulnerable and go, you know what? I've got feelings. Surprise. We all do. I'm struggling. I'm hurting right now. Will you carry this with me because it's heavy? I don't know how long I can go on alone. I want to put that down so that maybe your brothers, your sisters, your family, like they can take that up with you. You were meant to do that. We're meant to confess our unforgiveness, our feelings. We're also meant to confess our fears. And our fears are really just these untended feelings which end up becoming lies. The thing that you're afraid of is probably something that you believe is true that is not actually true. Ever since we're, we're, we're young, fear comes from believing something's true that's not, or an extreme version of the truth, an unlikely version of the truth. I mean, just think back to that, that verse that we just read about casting all of your, your, your cares, all of your anxieties on him. Let me actually see if I can... There's another part of that. Is that Ephesians 4 that I was reading? Galatians? I don't know. Anyway, uh, just a couple verses earlier, it says that the devil is actually prowling around like a lion, looking for an opportunity, looking for people to devour. And we get devoured, we get, we get consumed by these anxieties and these worries that take root in our heart if they go unchecked and unconfessed, that then we start to believe, you know what? It's not just that I have these cares, it's that God doesn't care. It's that that person doesn't care. And in fact, no one really seems to care. And when you start having these thoughts, you start believing these lies like nobody cares. God doesn't care. That start living out of a place of fear because we have believed something that is not true. And the answer to this is who, who are we going to believe? When we confess our fears, we have an opportunity to not only listen to one voice and believe that one, but it opens us up to go, all right, I want, I want to believe, God, what you have to say, or I want to believe what somebody else has to say about my life. Who are you going to believe? Hebrews 3 says it this way. I'm having a hard time finding these today. Discuss amongst yourselves while I, while I do. Hebrews 3, all right, um, says in verse 12 to 13, take care, brothers, lest there be any, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. An unbelieving heart that leads you to fall away. That leads me to believe that it's not just talking about believing in Jesus because you were there. How can you have an unbelieving heart that leads you to fall away? Wouldn't you not be there in the first place? Wouldn't you not be with God? No, and take care that you don't have an unbelieving heart that leads you to fall away from the living God. But here's the opposite. Here's the antidote. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, that none of you may believe the lies that are being told to you by the devil, by others, by the world, by yourself every single day. Take care. How do you do that? By confessing your fears, by confessing what you think is true, what you're seeing right now, and opening yourself up to receive something else. All these places of brokenness, they can't be encouraged, they can't be built back up unless we say, hey, there's some brokenness inside of me. I want you to see me for who I really am. Just this past week, my boy Joshua, he drew this picture 
I don't even know if he was intending to give it to me, but it's, it's, it's a simple sentence. It says, you're a terrific blank, said blank. That was his homework from school. I don't know what was on his mind or what led him to do this, but my boy brought home a paper with a picture of Paradox Church in our family, and at the top of it, it said, you're a terrific pastor, said Joshua. Now, I don't really feel like that's true, just to be honest with you. And before I ever, you know, I don't want to get a whole bunch of emails, you're the best, or that's not why I'm doing this, all right? I, you're probably like me, though. I'm just a real person. Like, I don't think I'm that great. I don't think I'm doing a very good job. In fact, day after day, I'm very well aware at all of my failures, all of my shortcomings, all the ways I could have done it better. And I believe those things. And I go, no, no, no. That's what's most true about me. I'm not going to fall for this positive thinking stuff where I'm just like, no, Dave, you're actually great. No, I know me. But I realized this week just how arrogant that can be. And I realized that because I opened myself up to see myself through the eyes of my son. And very similarly, through the eyes of the son, Jesus. Because I looked, as I was doing that, as I was thinking, I looked over and there's a picture of my boy on my desk and he's smiling and the thought entered my mind and this thought is God. He doesn't see you that way. He sees you as a terrific pastor. He doesn't see a loser. This, what if this, what if he sees is every bit as real and probably more than what you see. Don't tell yourself he doesn't know any better. Don't tell yourself if he really knew, then he would think differently. No, no, no. He knows. He sees. And what he says is true. And as true as that is, it is every bit more true when we go to our Father God who loves us and knows us and sees us for who we really are. That when we confess our feelings, we have an opportunity to encourage one another, to build one another up, to say, hey, this is a pattern for you. I know you. I see you. That's not true. You're believing the lies. Let me, let me tell you the truth. Let me invite you to see yourself the way that I see you, the way that God sees you. I want you to believe a truth, the truth about who you are, which leads you to live freely, lightly, in him, instead of away from him. In that way, we have these areas of brokenness. We, we show them to people, and then it gets built up. And then, of course, there's failures. And we're really, really familiar with this one. And yes, we're supposed to confess our failures to one another. I'm going to go over to um, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, if we say it's everybody else's fault, if we say that we were justified in what we were doing, if we say it wasn't really all that bad, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the beautiful thing. Everything in us wants to be wants to cover it up, conceal it, deny it, justify it. No, 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 it's not there. 
and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier, and it weighs us down, and it leads us into more and more destruction, more isolation, away from God's presence, away from his heart, away from his people. But if we confess our sins regularly, ongoingly, we go, you know what, you're right. Thank you for taking care of that, Jesus. It's forgiven. We agree with him about our sin. We agree with him about the reality that it is gone, that it is forgiven. When we don't do that, instead of just allowing God to just poke around in there, tenderize our heart, it gets hard, remember? Our hearts get harder and harder and harder. And the wall that goes up, the wall of unforgiveness, it goes between us and God and us and other people, and we end up isolated. That's why James 5.16 says, don't just confess your sins to God. Therefore, confess your, confess your sins to one another and pray for another that you can actually be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as, it, as it's working. I think about this verse a lot. And you know what one of the things I, I, I feel like is, is saying? When we confess our unrighteousness with someone else that, is, that they're, they're in good standing with God, like they, they've confessed, they're in Jesus, they're forgiven, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Someone else praying for you can be very powerful in your life. That's why we confess. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others for healing. And as the band comes up, I want to invite us to do just that in these next few moments together. When you walked in, there's, there's this cup. It's got bread on the top. If you just do this little, uh, little tab here, there's a little wafer in there. And then there's another one for the cup, the wine. It was on the night that he was betrayed that Jesus took this cup. And he gave us an opportunity to consistently come back to this. He said, do this every time and remember me. So when we gather, we have this opportunity to come back to the cross. Remember that he said, this, this bread is his body. It was, bro it was beaten. It was broken for us in our place so that we wouldn't have to torture ourselves. He took that for us. And his blood was shed. All throughout the scriptures, blood is shed for the forgiveness of sins. The wages of sin is death. We deserve to die. This is part of our confession. Part of what tears down the wall between us and God is when we go and say, listen, I have not lived perfectly. I have fallen short, and I deserve the consequences for that. I don't deserve a life with you, God. Not now, not then, not in, in, in the great beyond. I deserve the separation that, in all honesty, I have wanted from you, God. But I don't want it anymore. I agree that there, your better way is you, and I don't, I don't want to live apart from you anymore. I confess I have done things to separate us. Those things are called sin. That's the first part. And Jesus, into that, he doesn't say, I knew it and smash you. No, he says, and that's why I died. I took that punishment for you and I gave you my life instead. Now and forever. This blood, it represents a new covenant, a new promise that doesn't change, that isn't based on feelings, that isn't based on circumstances. It is a once and for all, all time, covenant promise that your sins, Jesus' blood was shed for them so that you and I would be forgiven and can live freely and lightly. They don't have to weigh us down anymore. So I want to encourage us to take this bread together. And maybe this is the first time you've ever done this.
This is an act of faith. This is an act of agreement. And if you're not ready to agree, that's okay. You can just sit, you can sit by and let the moment pass. Maybe just talk with God for the first time. But this is an act of agreement that as we break this bread together, we agree that when Jesus' body was broken, that was done for us. Let's take and eat this together. Father, I just pray that you would bring lightness of heart right now as the weight of our sin, the guilt and the shame, the condemnation, your heavy hand is lifted from us, God. I pray that we would be able to even feel your lightness because your body was broken for us. We thank you for lifting the weight of sin from us, God. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take and eat and drink together. And Father, as, as we do, I just thank you that by your blood, by your stripes, we have been healed. As we confess our sins, would you bring healing to our heart? Bring the people to mind, God, that we can freely share not who we are, but who we used to be and who we now are in you because of your body, your blood, your son's sacrifice on our behalf. We thank you, God, and we praise you that we have been forgiven. I pray that we would leave this moment freely and lightly in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to close with a, with a song. That's not different, um, but... I'm hoping, you know, sometimes you come up for communion and you leave all somber and everything. Like it's this, today I want to invite us. Let's respond freely and lightly out of the fact that we have been forgiven of our sins. We are made new in him. We're going to sing this song. Would you stand and join us? Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.